Jesus. All this worship him. He's worthy of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How great you are, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Why wouldn't anybody want to praise and serve the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's so nice to be in the First Baptist Church tonight. <laughs> well, believe it or not, the Baptists used to act this way. Methodist, right? They all did. A lot of the message folks used to act this way. I hope it's never said about Happy Valley that that's the way we used to act. Praise the Lord. Whenever he moves, we want to act that way. That's right. Amen. God bless you. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Such a great privilege and honor for us to be gathered in his presence. I love it when it comes like that. You know, it's not the music that uh, pulls it into that way. It's not Brother Louie that tries. And it would be so wrong for us to try to make that happen again in the morning or Wednesday night. We want it to happen when he sends it sovereignly. I don't mind telling you I love it when he sends it to me. God bless you. Let's turn to Psalms tonight, if you would. Psalms 110, verse 4. Praise the Lord. I know we're living in a very troubled world. And um, uh, what we dealt with showing the need of the millennium and the conditions of the world and uh, conditions of many of the people in the world. Um, but tonight we'd like to go a different direction from that, a contrast to that. I don't know too much about the Lord, but I know enough about him to know that Sometimes, whenever we're facing things and going through a lot of things, that God will actually send something contrasting to what we're going through to help divert our attention and get our attention from the sadness, the sorrow, the sickness, and whatever more that we're dealing with. And uh, we know that there's certainly a lot of sickness that's going on. And Brother Dave Swanson, I think Brother Lloyd mentioned maybe already, Brother Dave's mother passing away, and I know there's great sorrow in that home and family during this time. We certainly want to remember them. But we would like to look tonight and resume on Psalms 110, which is one of the Messianic uh, Psalms of the millennium, and to look at a contrast 
of this present world to the world we're going to. Let's read together. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Now let's read verse 6 and 7 again. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads. Now this is Armageddon, of course. Wound the heads of over many countries. But this is on his way back from the battle. He shall drink of the brook in the way. David is using a natural symbolism, which no doubt he did many, many times himself. Coming back from a great battle and fighting and fighting and just be so worn and exhausted, but to be able to find a brook, a stream of water, by which he would be able to be refreshed. And here he sets the coming of the Lord Jesus and the dawn of the millennium in a very similar structure, that after Jesus defeats the nations of the world, and David sets a symbolism again, that the Lord Jesus will come by a brook and get a drink of water before he sets up his kingdom. Let's bow our heads together. How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? God bless you, saints. Father, we love you so much tonight. Lord Jesus, you're our life. Lord, church to us is not just something that we do when we don't have any better place to go. We have no better place to go. Lord, this is the highlight of our lives, the Word of God, coming together with your children, your people, being in your presence, this wonderful presence that we've already sensed in this place, Lord. What an awesome thing it is. Lord, now we ask you that you would help us tonight as we approach the Word. Father, we so long for this day to come. How our hearts are under such anticipation of what lays before us. Dear God, we know the world's in a state of terrible, terrible darkness. But yet, for the people of God, it is not an hour of darkness. It is shalom. And for that, we thank you. Father, we're not in the least trying to do away with the burdens and the troubles that people are dealing with, many sick and many dealing with various things in their bodies and their homes. We thank tonight of the Swanson family, Lord, and we ask for your mercy and grace to be with them, Lord Jesus. Dear God, others with various needs in their homes and in their lives, but we know that you're mindful. And Lord, I hold in my hand tonight a prayer cloth, Father, for Bob Gould's Lord Jesus, Brother Larry Keplinger, stepfather, and you see, Father God, what the doctors have told him that is in his, his body. 
fourth stage of stomach cancer. And they wanted us to pray over this prayer cloth tonight. Lord, you see where he's at spiritually. I know that he has a profession of being a Catholic, but Father, we know when we come to cross in that channel of death, a profession of Catholicism or even a profession of being a message believer won't do us any good. We've got to know you, Lord. So we're not here tonight to judge him, but we're just here, Father, to pray that you would help him. Lord, you can look down at the man's heart. You know where he is. And Lord, certainly, I'm sure that he wants to live. But Lord God, more importantly than that, I pray, Heavenly Father, if he's not at peace with you, may the Spirit of God be able to deal with him, Lord. Help him to see, Lord, the seriousness of this situation I ask. Help me tonight, Lord, to be able to get out of the way to submit myself to you, Father. We've gathered here for your divine glory. Meet with us, we pray now, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and tell them, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and tell them, I'm looking for a good time. It's good to be nice. I'm looking for a good time, Brother Louis. I know it might seem detached. To some, it might seem that we live in a world that would seem very unrealistic because we have been so in touch with the supernatural that it makes us act odd and peculiar, and we think different in our, our minds. The structure of our homes, the structure of our lives, the structure of everything we do is so much different than the people who live by the structure of cosmos because we're pulled between two spheres or two realms and actually we are born from both, influenced by both, affected by both, and we love both. But yet we're becoming so detached to the natural one around us and more and more in love with that one which we cannot see. That no doubt people that would talk to us, the people that talk to you on your job, they would hear us preach and they'd think, it's some of the strangest people I've ever seen in my life. I cannot relate to them. I cannot totally understand them. I don't know where they're coming from. It's like they're here, but they're not here. They're here, but yet they're affected by another world. That's right. We are. And we make no apology of that tonight. But we're grateful for the mercy and the grace of God. And we know that that is because of the effect of our supernatural Master and Lord, which has so affected our life. We cannot make ourselves this way, we would really have no desire to do so. To me, part, we'll look at it shortly, but part of the reason of the millennium and the ongoing purpose of the heathen to be able to live on the millennium on this earth during this time frame will be to be able to prove finally in the finality that it is not in the ability of man to make up his own mind that he wants to do something for God. Because some of them in the millennium will make up their mind they want to live for the Lord. They will accept the millennial headship. They will accept Christ Jesus 
Jesus as their king. And at the end of that, when Satan is loosed out of his prison, they will turn and go right toward him and they will become submissive to the power of darkness. So man's decision on his own has never been enough. It will not be enough in the millennium itself. But man must be moved. Man must be motivated. Man must be touched by a supernatural power of God. Now our Lord Jesus in his coming to the earth, we know that there was a silence in his years on the earth, which is a mystery really when you look at it, from 12 to 33. We know that in that time, according to Luke 2.52, he grew with wisdom and understanding before God and man. And we know there was things that was no doubt happening. And we think God coming to the earth in the form of humanity, he would want to use every year, every week, every month of that short visit to the earth to be able to accomplish something that there'd be more books written about his life. And he would have got the Holy Ghost when he was a 12-year-old boy. And, you know, the fullness of the attribute of God would have moved inside of him. So it goes to show that God don't think about things in the way that you and I think. Now, we think it would have been certainly much more value and much more use of his life if he'd started out with the fullness of the attribute of God, all the deity of God was in him as just, just a child. He could have done that, of course, but God did not want it done that way. So he waits till he's the age of a high priest, and then he enters into this office. And you'd think the greatest work that had ever been done on the earth was able to be accomplished in a short three and a half years. So God does not necessarily need decades and decades and decades of a life to be able to accomplish such a great work. Even in that short span of three and a half years on the earth, there was so much of the kingdom age of his life that he never talked about, he never displayed until the very end. Now his life, once you look back at what his life was and the way that he was setting up already the kingdom age, but in the form of the leadership of the Son of God. Now remember, he's going to come in three sons' names, that is Son of God, Son of David, of course, and he's going to come as Son of Man. He's going to, in the, in the earthly visitation, it will be under the administration of the Son of Man, during the church ages, under the administration of Son of God, in the millennium, it will be under Son of David. And yet we would see emerging of those three when he was here in that earthly visitation. So, you know, they would ask, son of David this, son of David that. Well, if you had a dispensational claim as son of David, you could get something from him. But the Gentiles tried that, and it did not work because they did not have the dispensational title claim as son of David. They only repeated what they heard somebody else say. But they didn't have a faith to be able to tap into the channel of God to release what they needed. So when Jesus was here, he was actually showing and displaying millennium attributes of the king, which will be displayed thousands of years later. In that, that he, he was able to minister to the Gentiles, which he will do in the millennium. He ministered to the poor, which he will do in the millennium. He will exalt the poor, and actually there will be no poor that will live on the earth in the time of the millennium. So he ministered to the downcast. So he's actually displaying attributes of the millennium king while he is here on the earth. It was not the rich. It was not the powerful. It was not the, 
had the famous of that day that he actually ministered to but it was those that was the downtrodden and the downcast showing us his own attributes of the millennium which he will do when he comes and sets the kingdom up Notice now in St. John 17, 1, as he begins to show and tie together his sovereignty and his power, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now this was not said in St. John 3. It was not said in St. John 1, Matthew 1, uh, Luke 5. It was not said in the early part of his ministry, but now the sovereignty of the king is now coming into clear view at what time frame? At the very end of his ministry. And remember, Judas is gone, and Jesus has the elect apostles together. So he's giving forth his very power. Oh my, thank God for that. In the end time, it's exactly the same way. Notice in verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now notice he's identifying himself in the form of sonship. The only true God that great light that great uh, great ambient light of God which it can only be approached to through the veil of the blood and yet he says this is eternal life that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now you imagine here he calls himself Jesus Christ. Now he's Jesus, he's Christos, so he is the anointed Jesus, and he said this is eternal life that they may know this union. Again, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Notice this is not said in Matthew 3, this is not said in Matthew 5, this is not said in Mark 1 or 2, but at the end of his ministry he's setting forth that who he really is and that is the king now he goes to giving them an insight into the millennium kingdom how that he's going to set upon his throne this was not said in the in the public now in the public meetings this was not said to everybody there lest it would give away the mystery now remember it could not be the flesh of the Lord Jesus that would reveal these mysteries to to his apostles. But it must be the Father God, as he told Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And Brother Ben catches that and he said, Peter, he said, I, not even my flesh reveal that to you. Now you understand if you and I would have lived in the days of the body of the Lord Jesus, that it would have not been his will that we would have understood the kingdom of God simply by hearing it from the voice of the Son of God or hearing it through the body or the flesh and we heard it over and over and over again and finally we caught it in our psyche. But he would want Wanted to be revealed to us by the Holy Ghost, because this is Christ's way of making Himself known to the church. What is the new birth? It is the revelation of God revealed to you personally. No matter how many years you come to Happy Valley, you've got to be born again. The new birth is Christ revealed to you. 
Notice then, at the very end, he starts setting forth a coming kingdom age. Again, it says in verse 32, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. So, again, he's setting forth the sovereignty now of his kingdom, identifying himself as a king by which the angels answer to. And the angels will actually divide the people of the races of humanity and they will bring them before him. Now he does not say this until the very time of the end when his ministry is fading out. I wonder then friends how close we are if the Lord is wanting the bride to understand how close the rapture is, how we've got to get there, the millennium. I wonder if we're not moving closer and closer every week that we live on the earth. Now, notice again in Psalms 110, verse 5, the parallel of this. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike two kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. Now, remember, whenever we come to the sixth seal, that there will be millions of people that will be killed during the wrath and the judgment of God whenever the trumpets are finalized under the sixth seal. Now, remember, the sixth seal is an interruption of nature. So the tidal waves will come, the earthquakes will come, the sun will be released, an element of its uh, ultraviolet rays and its power. Uh, there'll be all kinds of things that'll happen in nature and much of it is not even written in the book of Revelation because it will be determined by the will of Moses and Elijah. So if Moses and Elijah deem that this part of Tennessee needs an earthquake, they'll get one. If they deem that another place needs a river to flood, they'll get one. Whatever happens, it will be at their disposal in order to meet out the judgment of God. But then it will all head up, of course, in the battle of Armageddon. And there all the nations of the world will come against Israel, and God is allowing them to do so. Now we know that that spirit is already in the, in the world today, already in some of our politicians in America. They're already starting with some rhetoric against the Jews. Come on, saints, say amen. You know, we know that the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, there's folks on both sides, and some of them like the Jews and some of them don't. But as long as America stands with the Jews and she has the blessing of God on her, but one day she will turn against them, and when she does, the wrath of God will be meted out to this nation and every other nation. So it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican, as far as I'm concerned, what we want to be identified is that we're a Christian, we're children of God. So we're not looking so much, well, what is the Congress saying? What's this saying? We're looking at what the Word says. And we're going to stand identified with Israel. It makes no difference what the Congress does or what the Senate does. We're going to be identified because God told Abraham, them that bless you, I'll bless them. Them that curse you, I'll curse them. So we know that this must come upon the earth again in the last days. And when the bride goes up, then the mercy of God is cut off to the Gentiles. The 144,000 will come and they'll get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'll get born again. They'll get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then all hell will set loose against them and against Moses and Elijah. And when it does, then this thing against the Jews will start in such a thing like it's never been before. All the nations of the world then at the end of the tribulation period will gather together.
Amen. Notice now, and also in, in Joel chapter 3 verse 9, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Bleach, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. But now notice before you're going to move into this. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about thither. Cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge the heathen all round about. God's going to gather them together. Now remember, this is the valley of Megiddo. It's also called the place of Armageddon. It's also called the valley of Jehoshaphat. Several great battles down through the history of Israel. We stood there uh, back last year. It's an absolute wonderful place just looking at it. You can see geographically, topography, how that it would be a place for all them to be able to gather together. And there God will actually drive all the nations of the world and they will come together. Now notice what will happen. Put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down for the press is full the fats overflow for their wickedness is great. Now here it is the accumulation of thousands of years of sin. All the armies of the world will someday gather as the song tells us and there they will gather in the valley of Jehoshaphat and through that the that shall be overflow the wraths of God. Notice he goes on to say multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Now when they gather together all the armies of the earth gathered together. Then the Lord Jesus and his bride will come out of heaven on white horses. And yes, it will be a power. Will it be a literal white horse? Well, it certainly sounds like to me that it will be. I know there's some among us that think it's already happened. They think the millennium's already happened. Uh, but I'm not going to really preach to them tonight. I'm going to preach to the believers. That's right. Them folks need help. They need it bad. But we, we believe there is a millennium. We believe there is a literal Jesus Christ. And we believe he's going to come out of heaven on a white horse. And the armies of God are going to come with him. Now notice the great beckoning call of our Lord as he will roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake. Now notice the culmination of all this judgment. So it will go in to this final phase of the final earthquake, the largest that the earth has ever known. It will culminate all these earthquakes under the sixth seal, under the wrath of God, and there will be one after another after another. Mountains will be brought down. They will tumble into the sea. But there will be one final earthquake at the end of the millennium. By this time, remember, America will be annihilated. West Coast done broke off. The bombs already fallen. Nothing but smoldering ashes. That will already be gone. But now we're talking about the very last day of the tribulation. 
tribulation period. Oh my God, hasten the day. The very last day of the tribulation period. Satan has been able to build the temple of God so called. He moved in the temple of God. He was able to be worshipped by the people of the age and they will crown him. They will absolutely worship the devil in this vicar of Christ and then Satan himself will enter into this body and now the time is at hand. All the armies will gather together and on the very last day of the tribulation period, boy I'd like to stay there for a while, the very last day of the tribulation period, the three and a half years are finished and the very last day of the tribulation period will arrive and when it does all the armies will gather together and the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven with all the armies of heaven behind him, praise God, and when he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives, there will come an earthquake that will be so severe, and the scripture tells us it was like none that had ever been on the face of the earth before. What is it? The parting of the Mount of Olives. Getting ready for the river of life to flow out from under the tabernacle, some toward the hinder sea, and some toward the former sea. What is it? It is the dawn of the millennium. When all sickness will be gone. All murder will be gone. All destruction will be gone. Hallelujah. When King Jesus comes back to earth again. What is it? The honeymoon. Oh, thank you, Lord. Notice in verse 17, so shall ye know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no more strangers pass through her anymore. Zechariah 14, 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. One hotel chain after another has wanted to build five-star hotels, resorts, and all kinds of things on the Mount of Olives. But there's one thing that deters them. A great fault which lays, runs right down through the middle of the Mount of Olives. So unless you wake up in your five-star hotel and your room's like this. <laughs> Praise be to God. Notice the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. Isn't it amazing? Not the north and the south. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north. Divides east, west, sends it in all four directions. Half 
life of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains. From the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Aziel. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Praise God. He ain't bringing angels to fight this time. He's bringing bride. Glory be to God. Revelation 19, 11. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew. Oh my, but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. Saddle up saints. Here we go. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Hallelujah. What are we doing? We're coming down to take over this earth. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he might he should smite. Who? The nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fiercest of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has, listen to this, on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise be to God. So you imagine him. Every Gentile king, the army of Syria, the army of Iraq, the army of Iran, all the army of all the nations of the earth will gather. He will slay them all. Then David in his poetic language in verse 7 says, He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Praise be to God. Notice Zechariah 8.2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy. I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, listen to this, shall be called a city. Praise be to God. Well, guess who the inhabitants of Jerusalem is going to be? It ain't going to be liars. Amen. Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. Now, this is God. Saying, I will dwell in Jerusalem. I will come back. This is after Ezekiel in his vision saw the glory of God when he was on the river Chebar. And when the man come to him dressed in bronze garments, clothing. And he looked at him and he showed him the glory of God as it departed and went over from the north side. And it left the altar. It went outside the tabernacle door. This is before it was destroyed by the Babylonians. He sees the glory of God depart. This is several years. Zechariah now prophesying and saying, but as I have left, I will come back. 
Remember the same prophet Ezekiel that saw the glory of God leave as the same prophet of God that saw it come back in chapter 46. So here God is saying, I'm going to take up my residence in Jerusalem again. I've had to leave because of your sin. I've had to leave because of your rebellion and unbelief. But I'm going to let you know I'm moving back in my house. Praise God, I'm moving back in. I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Once more, I'll fix my residence. Me and my wife. In Jerusalem. <laughs> Woo! Glory! Her citizens are children of truth. Her residents are residents of truth. They love truth more than they love life itself. So the people of truth will live in the city of truth because their God is the God of truth and their seed of truth. It's your identity. I'm not talking about a make-believe. I'm not talking about some fictitious hope of something. But this is your identity plumb in the millennium. Remember the millennium is the merging together of that which happens in time to that which unfolds in eternity. The millennium is the hinge between that which went on in the 6,000 years of man existence upon the earth and through the 2,000 years of the church ages when much of the kingdom of God was spiritual. It was spiritual, spiritual types, spiritual symbols. But the millennium is the beginning of merging the spiritual with the natural as it comes together on the earth the kingdom of God is within you but in the millennium it will be upon the earth literally praise be to God her citizens love truth they speak truth they honor truth thus saith the Lord I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Hey, him and his bride ain't going to live in the same old place. It ain't going to be fit to live in time he gets done. It's going to be blown all to pieces. But he's building a new place for his sweetheart. Now remember the millennium, there's much of what's in the millennium that fades right on in to the eighth day. Yeah, but I'm not sure you've been reading along with me in Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66. And it seems to be hard sometimes, Michael 4, I got to, it seems to be hard and difficult to differentiate between the millennium and the eighth day. God did that on purpose because the millennium is starting to embrace part of the natural kingdom, which was supernatural in the church ages, and is starting to take tangibility in the millennium. And much of it will merge right on over into the eighth day. It will be a natural city. Amen. It will be actual gold. It will be pearls. It will be natural people. It's not a supernatural city, friends. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Notice Isaiah chapter 1, verse 26. And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors at the beginning. Afterward, thou shalt be called the city 
of righteousness. The faithful city. Truth embraces everything opposite to untruth. Faithfulness is the exact opposite of faithlessness. So what is this city taking on the nature of the king and the king's wife? So the king said when he was here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the name of the city is going to be the city of truth. And his wife is children of truth. Glory. Notice Isaiah 127. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. Isaiah 56, 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Notice God isn't saying mountains as in plural. Because the geography of Israel and the rest of the earth will be changed. So the topography of the planet will come into a similar state the way it was in the beginning. And it will begin to look more like the eighth day than it does like the sixth. As you begin to look more like the word that the prophet said, it come from Luther to Western to Pentecost and the children begin to look more like him and less like her. The millennium will, amen, the millennium will start bearing the image of the eighth day and look more like Eden than it does like Johnson City or Elizabethan or New York or Manhattan or wherever more. Why? Because it's the hinge between the element of time to where it's pulled back up into the loop in eternity again. So the topography of the planet starts to change. And it starts to look more like the eighth day. I wish somebody had preached to me tonight. It starts looking more like the eighth day than the sixth day because the seventh brings it together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice Isaiah 57, 13. When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Notice again, singular. Ezekiel 40, verse 2. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city on the south. So now remember Ezekiel is carried into the millennium. And from where he was at, wherever God brought him in in the fourth dimension, which is where prophets see their visions, wherever it was that he started out, say it this way, that he was out in the fourth dimension somewhere in that realm. And it's like he starts moving. And he's moving in the fourth dimension. And the spirit brings him and he begins to look and he recognizes the land of Israel. This might be a very peculiar thing since this prophet never flew in an airplane. 
He never took a helicopter ride in his life, and yet he's above this land, but he recognizes something about the land. Was it the rivers? Was it the trees? What was it? I don't know what it was, but there was something about it that he became enlightened, and he recognized, I'm in the land of Israel. I'm above the land of Israel. And when he come up, he looks around, he said, where's all the mountains at? Where's all the seven hills around Jerusalem? Where are they all going? Where are they all at? But he just said, I just, I, I, I just saw, I saw one, one mountain. Now this is after the tribulation period. This is after the earthquake. Glory be to God. This is after the earthquakes. This is after the expanse of the Mediterranean has been moved over wide enough in order for the city temple to be built in Jerusalem. Woo! Praise God. Set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city on the south. Joel 3.17 So that ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. Notice Jerusalem now not sitting on seven hills not even hills but a mountain. A mountain. Praise God. Can it go on? Now notice Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now in prophetic terminology, you you don't know how accurate this is unless you've broke this down. But do you realize that whenever Isaiah was speaking of this, the seed of David was still physically upon the earth. Maybe he and the other people of Israel would not know it would be centuries, centuries before David would ever have another man that would sit upon the throne. It looked as if though the seed of David was annihilated. When the last king of Judah was taken out and packed away and the devil probably thought, ha ha, I've got him now. All these prophecies about David this and David that. And it looked like it was eat off at the top of the ground. It was just a stump. So the lineage of David was just like a stump. Now notice the word that God said. Out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Everything by this stage of the prophecy, by the time Isaiah prophesied, every visible sign of the Davidic reign, of the Davidic scene coming through the royal line was totally gone. Every bit of it, there was not even a stump left above the ground. It had entered the faith cycle. Glory to God. It had entered the faith cycle when there was nothing physically you could see on top of the earth. But the word of the Lord said, from the roots. It reminds me of Joel too. What the canker worm is eating, what the palmer worm is eating. The prophet said he ate it right down to the roots. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. Amen. So the tree was cut down. The stump was gone. And you look at it. And there was nothing there. As far as the eye could see. But the word said from the roots will come a stem. A branch. The devil looked no doubt at the darkness of Catholicism and thought I've got this whole thing sewed up. 
I've messed up the church of the living God so bad it'll never come out of that. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. He looked at Lutheranism and it looked like, my goodness, what a mess it had made after years of the Reformation. And the Methodicism the same way, Pentecostalism the same way. Well, let's bring it on now. And it's becoming messagism the same way. We've got so many doctrines. We've got people fussing and fighting. The emphasis is not Christ Jesus is how big we are, how important we are. Come on, church. And the devil said, boy, I've got them right back where I had them in the beginning. Guess again, devil. God has got a seed that you'll never be able to get. God said, he'll have a bride and he'll have a bride because he's God amen hallelujah notice this the source of the king's power is revealed in a sevenfold manifestation of the spirit watch this in verse 2 and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord now notice so all of these attributes this are, the, are, are the going to be the attributes by which the kingdom will be established how contrast it is to the day we're living when it's built upon lies it's built upon deceit Amen. brother Philip Elliott I don't guess your mind's just saying he sent me a thing this, this week about how that they're becoming so concerned about cigarettes and making them more safe because they're trashing you know the cigarette butts and things are trashing on the sides of the road so they're making going to start making the filters on the cigarettes where they're biodegradable better for the environment and they're going to put little seeds inside of it so whenever people throw them out of their window and then that little seed lands on the side of the road, then out of them the filter of the cigarette will start coming up little tiny plants. Isn't that nice? Isn't that so thoughtful? Isn't that like a bunch of ignoramus tree huggers? So you save the planet but kill every person on it. Well, it's going to do a lot of good. We've got a real healthy planet, but there ain't nobody here to live on. <laughs> the devil and probably some people say well my that's the greatest idea oh my my they're showing the thinking man on the other side of that filter but notice the character of the reign of Jesus Satan's reign is built upon lies on deceit it's built upon adultery fornication it's built upon the access of the things of the world but notice the character of the millennial king he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So why are you talking about Trump there, is he? Now some of you Democrats laughed. You wasn't talking about Obama either. Notice the quality of the kingdom. Verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fattling together, and a little child shall lead them. So we've got one kind that generally eats the other kind, and they're playing. 
under Satan's kingdom, those of the same kind can't even get along. Praise the Lord. Humans can't even get along. The blacks against the whites, the whites against the blacks, the Hispanics against this, the American Indian against that. Why? That's the characteristics of the devil's kingdom. In the millennium, there'll not be one racist. Praise God. They won't have black power, white power. They'll have Holy Ghost power. There'll be no ghettos in the millennium. Amen. There'll be no little swollen bellies of little children because the Prince of Peace will come and the earth will break into the cycle of prosperity the way it was in the Garden of Eden and the sun will be seven times hotter than it is right now. Praise be to God. And the earth will break into the power of fruition as the way it was that God intended for it to be in the beginning. Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion. Now can you imagine going to the Atlanta Zoo and showing it, throwing a big African lion a bale of straw now? He'd rather have you than the toothpicks later. He don't want that. He used that straw for toothpicks. That's a good one. Praise the Lord. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. What? The lion shall eat straw like the bullock and dust shall be the serpent's. Lord, don't tell me there's going to be snakes there. (laughs) They shall not hurt nor destroy. And all my holy Wonder where the Himalayas are. Wonder where the Rockies are. Appalachians, the Alps. Ezekiel thirty four twenty five. I will make them a covenant of peace, and I will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Well, you just get out, you know, you're 340 miles or whatever, a thousand miles over on the earth. God sent you somewhere on a mission, somewhere on another continent, and you just, you just want, you're not tired, but you just want to take a nap. You just lay right down in the woods. I mean, you just lay right down, and there's all kinds of animals around you, and then you wake up, and my goodness, there's a tiger, there's a lion, there's a jaguar, there's all kinds of things laying around you, all of it just then. Why? There's no fear. There's no evil animals. They're all gone. They're all gone. Oh, praise God. Hosea 2.18, in that day will I make a covenant with them with the beasts of the field. You imagine Almighty God making a covenant with the animals. And with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. Bugs. Bugs. And those sisters, you thought they weren't going to be none there, but there will be. The spiders, cockroaches, all that sort of thing. I mean, who knows? Oh, man. Don't worry. We'll all be changed. We'll all blend together as they are. Creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and battle the earth and will make them lie down safely. 
Isaiah 11, 7, and the cow and the bear shall feed. They're young ones. Notice here in this earth, in the millennium, they're still giving birth. The animals are still in the cycle of reproduction. Glory to God. The lion shall eat sure like the ox. Animals by nature which do not go together now will go together then. So your bear skin will be changed and you'll get along with that lion skin brother that you don't like now. Come on to Happy Valley. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. Don't sit there and look at me and act like you love everybody and you love everybody's way. That's not the truth. We don't do it. Some of you don't even love your wife. I mean, uh, that's right. What is it about us? It's that animal part of us that still needs to be changed. We clash. That's why we have issues in church and sometimes you do between born again people because the human part still clashes. But one day we'll have a body. Amen. Matches our soul. The bear will look at the cow and no longer consider it. Wow, look at that steak. But he'll look at him and say, We'll go eat grass together. Let's go over and have lunch. I know you're not lunch. I'm changed. Praise God. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. Notice what you said. That's impossible, Brother Donnie. It's not impossible. That's the way they were in the beginning. Genesis 1.29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and which is the fruit of the tree-bearing yield, tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, sustenance, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl, No birds ate bugs. No birds picked up little animals before the fall. No birds ate ants. They didn't eat each other. All the birds were herbivores. The lion, the jaguar, the tiger, herbivores. You think you're so big and powerful? Won't you make one of them a herbivore today, you liar? Because he ain't got the power to do it. All he can do is make them meaner. He can't make them gooder. God's the only one that can make them gooder. He's the only one to make you gooder too. Notice every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the earth, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, when there is life, I've given every green herb for me. Could you imagine? Every plant tasted like a Sunday. Or, Or a steak or, you know... Broccoli might have even tasted good then. I don't know. I mean, that's what it is. Broccoli tasted good in the original and it fell. <laughs> oh, Brother Donnie, don't you believe in eating things off the trees? I do. I love the cocoa tree. <laughs> so it makes chocolate a vegetable, right? Everything that God placed upon the earth, there was food all around you. You didn't have to travel and, and go from one spot to another and migrate. There was no need of it because everywhere you looked, it was food. 
So the birds would fly from one tree to another to another. And whenever they'd get done, there was no damage to the tree. They'd eat and eat. And they'd fly over here and they'd fly over there and they'd go over here. And you'd never know where they were. Because everything, the sun was so bright and the moisture was perfect. And the temperature, remember, the, the earth was about the same all the way around. And the earth was standing straight up and down like this. And it would grow back overnight. Can you imagine? They'd clip it off that day. And by the next morning, it ought to be on its way back to where it was before. And another bird would come through and pick it up by the end of the week. You never know what was there. And the, all the low animals. So God had different heights from different animals according to the size of their legs and their necks. So that all different levels there was food. Lord Judah, I'm not talking about a dream tonight. I'm talking about a place we're going back to. Notice Isaiah 11, 8. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. Children being born in the millennium. And the winged child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. Lord have mercy. This venomous serpent. Notice how he said, the sucking child shall play, delight himself. As children, as children do in a sandbox. Like taking a doll, a doll or a tonka toy or whatever, and here's the whole of this asp, which if bites you, you have 30 to 45 seconds before that system goes to hitting your heart, causing your blood to clot, your vision to blur within a matter of moments. You're dead. But in the millennium, his poison's gone. I'm not sure if God pulls his teeth. I don't know what in the world. But he won't be harmful. And then Isaiah graduates and it goes from a sucking child. This is just one that said sucking its mother and it's down on its knees. A weak little guy. And then you've got, he goes and graduates and says, and the weaning child, which is one a little bit bigger. And he himself, the weaned child, will play on the cockatrice den, which is the adder. More venomous even than the asp. But in the millennium, that mesmerizing thing about serpents that we stand there and look at them and think, I wish I had a hoe. <laughs> what I could do with rat shot on that thing. I mean, no, that thing is so beautiful. I was at Brother Tim Pruitt's house many, many years ago, and he went out in the back, and he was out there showing me his goats and this and that and the other. He said, I killed a copperhead out there the other day. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I cut him up and said, may you rest in pieces. <laughs> so how many of y'all try to dodge one on the road? Don't raise your hands, please. We've got a few animal lovers at, you know, the screaming services, so them. But think of it. There, there'll be no poison snake. There'll be nothing that can hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Oh, I wish we could go now. Let me go a little bit farther. Notice this in verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy. 
Can you imagine a time when the earth itself will be so loosed from injustice? Nobody will ever be able to hurt another person. Not just physically now. They'll not hurt their reputation. They'll never be able to hurt their honor. They'll never be able to wound them and lose their trust. Look at the word hurt, how vast it is. It's not just talking about people that'll be killing one another. There will be no hurt. Only my Lord Jesus can orchestrate such a kingdom. They will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. No hurt of any kind. No unkind deeds. No words that are chosen from one to another to cut each other. Nobody will ever say, friend, you're talking about heaven. Nobody will ever lose their temper. Nobody will ever, I'll tell you why I'm giving you a piece of my mind. There won't be nobody there like that. Nobody will ever lose their temper. Nobody will ever hurt another by words or by insinuation. What a world. Can't you see what he's going to do? Can't you see how he's proving his greatness by reversing everything the devil has done in time? Look at what he's done. He's turned this place into a place full of wrath and hatred and variance. Nations at war, races at war, people at war, churches at war, family members at war. Everywhere we turn, there's hatred and violence. Jesus says, just be faithful. I'm fixing to introduce a kingdom where nobody will ever hurt anybody else in any way. No unkind words will ever be spoken. Nobody will ever offend intentionally or non-intentionally another person. This is his word. How would he do it, Brother Don? It's up to him to do it. Praise God. You imagine just everybody, you say, oh, brother, how you doing? Not one ounce of hypocrisy. Brother, God bless you. How you doing, Brother Jared? Then get away from him. I never did like him. <laughs> Sorry outfit. What can you expect? Nope, won't be none of that there. Every smile will be genuine. All expressions of love will be genuine. No one will hurt nobody else. There'll never be a husband and a wife ever arguing there. Amen. There'll never be the teenage rebellion. And this is one thing to me why God will allow humans to be born upon the earth. He will defy everything that Satan has done through his sociology, through his science, through his climatology, everything that he's done on the earth. The Lord Jesus will prove to the devil what you couldn't do, I did. You never. Let me tell you something, friend. The devil has never had a time on the earth when he could honestly say, everybody on the earth serves me. Everybody on the earth bows to my headship God has always had somebody if it wasn't but one if it wasn't but three if it wasn't but a thousand God's always had somebody that would defy the kingdom of hell but in the millennium the Lord Jesus will say everybody on the face of this earth serves me everybody on the face of this earth honors my word obeys my word take that devil Can you imagine it's like the whole earth 
will be filled with a measure of Christianity. And yet there will be government. Right? It will be the government of the Son of, Son of God, Son of David rather. There will be government. There will be magistrates. There will be vice-regents. There will be different positions. Never any money under the table. I'm not sure there'll even be anything I'll call money. If it is, it'll be sanctified money. And there won't be no love of it there either. Notice Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a peculiar way to say that. As the waters cover the sea. You imagine the glory of the Lord. Notice how he said, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now it's not just all, all revelation, but it will be knowledge. The whole earth from one end to the other, from one continent to the other. Now, if the land masses are bridged together, joined together in the great massive continent that was in the very beginning, who knows exactly what it'll be. But we know from all the continents of the earth, people will come up at the Feast of Tabernacles to worship the Lord. How they'll travel, I don't have a clue. But they will be there. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Notice he doesn't say the knowledge of the word of the Lord. But the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, which of course means the revealing of the word, because the revealing of the word is what expresses the glory of God. So the knowledge of the Lord, the glory of the Lord will cover, there won't be one inch of the earth, not one inch where a mortal lives, that they will not know about God's glory. I'd say that stuff makes him matter in a hornet, wouldn't you? Amen. The, 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 I'll tell you what, the earth ain't never been full of the evil of the devil. The earth ain't never been full with all his wrath and this, that, and other, because God's always had somebody that said, I ain't doing it. I ain't going that way. Let me close. Isaiah 11, 10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. Notice how the kingdom now will be set up. Isaiah 11, 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. What shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Petros, from Cush, from Eliam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations. And shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So the Messiah will stand in Jerusalem and ensign as a banner or a flag. So you knew which side you was on. In the heat of the battle, you might get confused about where you're at and where you are. And you know, am I on this side or that side? Oh my, all this is going on. So what they do, they have the colors flying. So your nose in the 4th Massachusetts or using the 6th Virginia Infantry, whatever more. So you was identified with that flag. So the ensign was raised up to know whose side you was on and where you was at in the battle. So God said, I'll tell you what I want to do. It ain't going to be the six-point star of David. It's going to be the seed of David. 
Amen. You ain't going to need no material cause. You ain't going to need no material flag. I'm going to raise the man himself. I'm going to raise the very, amen, the very seed of David, the son of David. I will set him up on a flagpole as it was, and the nations of the earth will gather around him. He will be the ensign. Praise be to God. Let's stand together. Verse 12, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and they shall assemble the outcast of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. And if he's going to do that for them, he'll do it for Donnie and Joe and Jack and Jim and Carol and Bess and Barbara. And there won't be no jealousy. Amen. I'll tell you one thing, that'd be quite a heaven right there. Amen. Nobody jealous of another, no preachers jealous of one another, no singers jealous of one another, no musicians. Amen. Oh, I've got to read you just one more. <laughs> and in that day shalt thou say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. I guarantee you one thing, not only can Israel say that, not only can the bride say that, but if the earth could talk, the earth could say the same thing. Oh God, you struck me with wrath and antediluvian destruction. God, you struck me with wrath and the atomic bombs. God, you struck me, but now I found your favor again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord. For he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Brother Timothy Pruitt sent an article today on the minister's chat that I'm a part of from one of the media, news media, saying the churches were losing membership so fast and unable to be able to pay their bills and all that. So churches have started renting and leasing out Sunday school rooms and this and that and the other during the week to all kinds of yoga and, you know, all kinds of different deals in order to keep their doors open. When we do that, we're better off to sell it. Imagine having to have yoga classes. Some that sewed and done this and that and the other. They was in another room. Some that made this. They was in another room and they was in another room in order to supplement the church's income to keep the doors open. Why? They're losing members. They're dead. This one was a Methodist church, but that's not the only ones that's doing it. Remember when the prophet saw it? Methodist pastor. Pastor laying on top of a corpse making love to her. They have no power to give their people life. 
So what they got to do? They have, they have hot dog suppers and Starbucks and all kinds of things in order to draw people. Look, friends, I'm not against you playing basketball, but basketball is not what this is all about. Soccer and football and this and that and other, that ain't what it's all about. It's about us getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Giving our children the right to be able to be born again, to know God. Oh, Lord, what a pitiful representation of to be called the church of the living God. May God help us. May God help us. Not only to keep our doors open so much, but keep our doors open to the Holy Ghost. Praise be to God. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise God. A song to the song to the sons of Korah. A song to Alamos. God is my refuge and a present help in the time of need and trouble. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, for your blessings. While living in this dark world, you give us such encouraging hopes and promises of what lays ahead for us, Father. This is not a story from Walt Disney. Oh God, this is not something from ancient cultures of the Greeks or the gods of the Ninevites. This is from the living God. Lord, we know this Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years, penned by over 40 different authors written on different continents of the earth. Many of them never even knew one another. And some of their prophecies are so identical that people even accuse some of them of being plagiarist because they said word for word, years and years apart, miles and miles apart. This is your book, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, we know people don't love it no more. They don't want it. They've replaced it with all kinds of books. But we still love your word, Father. We love your message. We thank you for sending us God's prophet. But, Father, we know you never sent him to do away with our Bibles. We still love our Bibles. As a matter of fact, I love my Bible now more than I've ever loved it. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, help us, I pray. We love you, dear God. Don't let there be a one of us missing at that great time, Father. Lord, may we as the people of God now be called children of truth so our residence will be in the city of truth. O Lamb of God, hasten the day when we can be changed, Heavenly Father, and leave this world. Lord, whatever it is that's holding us here, maybe it's a little boy, a little girl over in China, in Japan, maybe in Ethiopia, could be one right here in this building tonight. We don't know where they are, but oh, Father, would you bring them in? Lord, the old timers used to sing the song, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. We don't sing that around here, Lord. We're not saying wait a little longer. We're saying come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and take us away. 
Oh, we know there's people in our own ranks that don't even believe you're coming no more. That don't change us at all. We're still looking for the appearing of our Lord Jesus to catch his bride away. Thank you, Father. Thank you for men of God that are still telling us the truth. No matter how old the story seems, that's what believers believe. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Your kingdom has already dawned in our hearts under the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Heavenly Father. As Pentecost was the beginning of the last days, the last 2,000 years, even so the millennium will be the beginning of the merging of the invisible and the invisible together. As Pentecost was the beginning of the last two measures by which you would reveal yourself through grace, even so the beginning of the millennium, the dawn of the seventh morning. Praise God. When we will step out on the earth, Lord, everything will be beautiful. The sky will be a blue that we've never known it. The azure blue that we see now will not be able to touch it. The green and the trees, the pinks, the reds, the purples, the violets, and the flowers. Oh God, they will be so brilliant and beautiful. Hallelujah. The animals, oh Lord, not one bee to sting us, not one wasp with a stinger. Not one bumblebee, not one honeybee to sting, not one snake to bite, not one human that will ever say a harsh word to another. Praise be to God. Lord, I know it seems impossible. That's why only you could do it. Scientist, psychiatrist, sociologist, no matter who would ever look to, they could never produce such a paradise. Only you can do it and you will maintain it by your power for a thousand years. And you'll be dealing with millions of unconverted people as well as glorified. Only God could do such a thing. Praise God. Lord, we're going to go ahead and worship you tonight for the millennium. Because the cycle is done set in motion. We don't see it yet. No, they are still under this curse of the devil. But Father, we're going to praise you right now for the millennium that is to come. We're going to go ahead and love you right now and have expectation. Who knows? Some people might go home tonight and might even dream about it. It'll become so real to their subconscious. Lord, we're going to go ahead and praise you for it. The millennium is coming. The dawn of the seventh morning, it's, it's coming. We can't go on much longer like this, Lord. This earth is getting unfitted, more unfitted every day that we're here, Lord, a place for us to live. We don't belong here no more, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you, blessed God. We worship your name tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands, saints? Oh, let's not wait till we get there at the rapture. Let's not wait till we get there to the marriage supper. Let's not wait till we get to the millennium. To praise our God. Let's praise Him right now. By eyes of faith, prophecy can look at the roots in the ground and say a seed of David will come. We can look by eyes of faith at the seeds of the promise of the millennium and say it's as good as happened already by faith. 
It's in the cycle of God's word. Nothing will stop it. The rapture will come. The wedding supper will come. The rapture, amen, will lead right up to that. And both of them will lead right into the millennium. Praise God. The earth will be recreated again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Sing something for us. Hey, let's just worship the Lord a little before we go, can we? Oh, don't you love him tonight, children? Don't you just love him with all your heart? Don't you want to go to that blessed land? Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, help us tonight. Lord, if there's one that's discouraged, one that's sick in their body, Father, one that needs strength for the journey, may you come and minister to them tonight, I pray, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship him together, saints.
praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going home. I'm going soon. I'm going where I belong. I don't know about you. I need the help of the Lord. The more I study this stuff and the more I look at it, it's harder it is for me to face this place out here. I know we got to. I know we got to plant our taters. We got to build church. We got to, you know, witness. We got to work. We got to occupy till he comes. I understand that. But knowing what lays in front of us, praise God. Knowing that, think of it, three and a half years from today could be the first day of the millennium. Once the bride is gone, the cycle of events will happen so fast, only three and a half years left upon the earth. Think of it, three and a half years from today could be the first day of the millennium. And in a second from now, you could be in the six dimensions. So either way, you're going to win. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's sing it together. I'm going home. Mm. I'm going soon. Band, even since I was a child, stranger here, but now I'm going home. Chorus again, everybody.
Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Brother West, would you come and dismiss us? God bless you, saints. See you in the morning. Lord, bye. Father, long before you ever made time, each one of us gathered together here tonight in your name was in your mind. and One at a time you designed us. You thought of us with tender love and care and you shaped an image in your mind of who and what we would be, our place in your plan. Lord, it's more than I can, it's more than I can grasp. And Lord, that was before time began, and now time soon will end. And we will come to the full realization of that image that you meant for us to be. Lord Jesus. We're just getting to the point where we just can't wait anymore. We're so grateful for the words you're giving us. We're so grateful for how, how you're revealing these truths to us, Lord. Like Brother Donnie said, it makes it harder to bear this world. It makes it harder to, to face it each day, but yet it makes it more real that you're coming quickly. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us, Lord. It's, it's more than we can grasp. It's more than we can hold on to with our frail minds, Lord, in this world and in these bodies. Lord, I just thank you so much. Lord, please bring us back together again safely in the morning so you can speak your heart to us one more time. Lord, we'll be pulling. We'll be ready. We'll come prepared, ready to worship, ready to listen, ready to wait for you, what you have to say for us, Father. We just wish that we could bless you more. We wish we could worship you more. We wish we could love you more, Lord. Deliver us from these bodies, Lord, so that we can give you what you deserve for once. Lord, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, saints. Praise the Lord. Amen. I wish it was 11 o'clock tomorrow morning right now. Don't you? <laughs> I hate to leave this. I know this though. If you're sad here, you're fixing to be happy. You're, everybody's going to be happy over there. Let's sing a little bit of that as we get ready to leave tonight. Hadn't it been good to be in church? Did you enjoy the word of the Lord? There's a happy land of promise. Sing it from your soul. Over in... The great beyond Where the saved of earth Shall soon the glory share Hallelujah And live on forever Evermore Everybody will be happy.
His amazing grace and who's brought us to that Peace. 